And I want to talk to you about the necessity of the anointing tonight. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. It's on the screen how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Jesus, the eternal son of God, worked miracles, raised the dead, opened blinded eyes, made the lame to walk and cast out devils all through the power of of the Holy Spirit. John 3:34 says Jesus was anointed with the Spirit without measure. Luke chapter 4 verse 1 says and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. D.L. Moody is quoted as saying it is yet unseen what one person can accomplish for God that is totally and completely yielded to the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John 14, 12, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. We are commissioned to do greater work. God desires, I believe, to release a greater works anointing. When you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, when you pray to ask Jesus to become Lord of your life and he comes into your heart, you are born of the Spirit. You're regenerated and placed into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have made all to drink into one Spirit. After we receive salvation, we then need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the gift of the Holy Spirit that Peter speaks about in Acts chapter 2 verses 38 and 39. Through this baptism in the Holy Spirit, we become successors to the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do and teach the same things which Jesus began to both to do and to teach. And I believe God desires to anoint each of us tonight with power from on high so that we can work the works of God while it is still day. These are days of outpouring. These are days of revival. You say, well, I don't see it. I don't sense it. I don't feel it. Well, I believe that these are days of outpouring and these are days of revival. I don't see it. I don't feel it. But by faith, I'm believing for it. How many of you believe me? God is reviving his church so we will take the glory he deposits within us and use it to reach those who are in bondage to evil. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 21 and 22, the apostle Paul outlines four aspects of God's work in the believer through the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit establishes the believer and helps him or her persevere in his life of faith. Number two, the Holy Spirit anoints the believer in order to endue him or her with power to witness, and to perform the works of Christ, and to know the truth. Number three, the Holy Spirit is the official seal of God's ownership, marking the believer as his own property. How many of you know you were bought with a price and you're not your own? 
You belong to God. We're his property. Come on, somebody. His seal of ownership is on our lives. Number four, the Holy Spirit is an indwelling earnest, a guarantee, and a first installment to the believer that a greater life with Christ will come in the future. I love the scripture that Paul gives us in Romans chapter 8 where he says, The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. This is not it. There's a greater reward waiting on us. Come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit comes to introduce us to the supernatural. You see, we are spirit beings and should live in the realm of the supernatural. The anointing is the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that enables the believer to accomplish exploits for God. The anointing allows you to do things that you couldn't do within your own strength, your own talent, and your own ability. If we're just doing the work of God in our own strength, if we're just doing the work of God in our own intellect and in our own ability, we're falling short. But I've come to tell you that there's an anointing that God will give to us that will empower us to do exploits in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Daniel eleven thirty two says, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploit. See, the Bible is filled with examples of men and women who did great things for God. The anointing changed ordinary men and women into extraordinary people who accomplished great feats in the name of their God. In Judges chapter 4 verse 31, the anointing touched a man by the name of Shamgar and he killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. In Judges 7, Gideon and his 300 men defeated the armies of the Midianites and the Amalekites using only clay pitchers, lamps, and trumpets. It was the anointing that made a young teenager a giant killer. The anointing of the Holy Spirit will take a quiet, reserved individual and transform them into a giant kin. We need a fresh, new anointing of the Holy Spirit in order to move us out of the comfort of our pews, out of the comfort of just being saved and satisfied, and move us into a place where we will say, I want to have a greater hunger and I want a greater anointing from God. God calling us into the marketplace so that we can slay the giants of fear, the giants of oppression, and the giants of discouragement. How many of you desire a greater anointing tonight? You can have as much of God as you desire. There's no limit on how much. God doesn't say, okay, you're at your limit, cutting you off. Oh, I believe God's got unlimited things. There's adventures in faith. There's heights in the kingdom of God. There are depths of his love and his grace. We've not even scratched the surface. There's more tonight. We sing about it. More of you, Lord. I want more of you. I've come tonight to stir up your pure mind, to stir up your heart, to tell you that there's more of God that's available to you as a believer. There's a greater anointing that God wants to give to you. He's not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter whether you're young or old, whether you're, you're rich or poor. But he'll pour it out, all he's looking for. He said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for reality. I don't want hype. I don't want something that looks like revival, something that's advertised as revival. I want the real thing. Come on, somebody. I want to touch the throne room of heaven and have the throne room of heaven touch me. I'm ready to be pulled up out of the days of discouragement and oppression and reach a place in the Lord where we can do the things that he's called us to do in this hour. There's a harvest field that's waiting on us. The fields are white under harvest, the Bible says. He said, don't, don't, don't pray for the harvest. Don't look. He said, you pray for laborers to be raised up to go into the harvest field. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask shall be given you. 
Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. We have to ask him for a greater anointing. We have to seek for more of him. We have to keep knocking at the door of heaven until we're changed into his image and into his likeness. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Tonight I just want to share two things with you concerning the anointing of the Holy Spirit. As Pentecostals, Spirit-filled people, we should be very familiar with that term. We should understand what that means. But I want us to have more than just an understanding of it. I want us to experience it in a greater dimension than we've ever experienced it before. 1 John 2.20 says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. The term anointing has been popularized in our time with the emergence and growth of the Pentecostal and charismatic movements. Do you know the Pentecostal charismatic movements, one of the greatest, fastest growing revivals in all of history, and it's one of the largest movements in all the world today. There are nearly 700 million of us in the world today. So that term has become familiar to people. The word anointing means to rub or to pour oil upon. Lori Wilkie says the word anointing means to smear oil upon. The Old Testament type or symbol of the anointing was seen in the act of pouring oil over the head of the individual whom God had chosen for a specific office. In Leviticus chapter 8 verse 10, Moses anoints Aaron to be the high priest of Israel. The psalmist referred to this anointing in Psalms 133 verse 2. He said, it's like the precious ointment upon the beard that ran down upon the head that ran down upon the beard and even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment. Now let me tell you what happened. They poured that oil. It wasn't like, you know, we just put a little bit of oil on you. But they poured the oil over the high priest. And they didn't just pour it on. I mean, it poured over him and it ran down over him. And here's what happened. It got under his feet. And everywhere he went, he left an oily footprint. That's the kind of anointing I want to touch us tonight. Lord, let it pour over us and run down over us and let us get under our feet so that everywhere we go, we'll leave a deposit of your presence and a deposit of your anointing. In Leviticus chapter 8, verse 10, he's anointed with oil. In other places, we read of the prophets, the priests, and the kings being anointed with oil. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, experienced three Different anointings in his life. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, he was anointed among his brethren as the future king of Israel. In 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 4, he was anointed as king over Judah. In 2 Samuel 5, 3, he was anointed as king over all of Israel. In each occurrence, they poured the whole horn of oil upon his head. Now the act of anointing with oil was to set apart and consecrate these individuals for the work and offices God had called them to do and to feel. The anointing oil used was made of a very special composition. The instructions for this manufacture of this special anointing oil is found in Exodus chapter 30, verses 23 through 26. They didn't just go and get oil off the shelf, but it was made to a specific prescription. It was to be made of pure myrrh, sweet cinnamon, sweet calamus, cassia, and olive oil. And each of these natural spices contains a spiritual lesson we can learn about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The myrrh is a resin that oozed from a tiny shrub. It was bitter to the taste, and it produced a wonderful fragrance. It represents forsaking all to follow the call of God in our lives. Do you desire this anointing tonight? 
then you must follow the words of Jesus in Luke 14, 27. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Sweet cinnamon was very expensive. It came from the bark of a tree. One source I read said it was imported from India. Lori Wilkie writes in her book, The Costly Anointing, the root meaning of cinnamon is to erect or to stand upright. It represents integrity and walking in truth. The way to keep your anointing is to be a man or a woman of truth. Calamus was a tall reed that grew in a hostile environment of miry clay. We must have an anointing from the Lord in order to live an overcoming life in a world of darkness. We live in a very dark place, but aren't you glad that light always overcomes darkness? Cassia is found in the bark of a shrub. It grows in high altitudes and it possesses a little purple flower. Biblically, the root word means bowing down or shriveled. Cassia speaks to us of worshiping the Lord in spirit and truth. I believe the anointing comes when we worship him. When we spend time in his presence, we experience the power of his presence. The last ingredient listed in the anointing oil was the olive oil. It was the ingredient that bound all the other spices together. Olive oil came from olives that were crushed. The crushed olive is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Several years ago when Beth and I were in Israel, one of my favorite places in Israel was the Garden of Gethsemane. You have the Temple Mount and you have a valley. It's now just filled with graves. It's a graveyard. The eastern gate sealed up and you go across and there's the the Garden of Gethsemane. In that garden, they had these big, huge olive trees. And they respect olive trees in the Middle East. They don't cut them down. They'll move them. They'll work on them. And these olive trees, the roots of this particular trees date back to the times of Christ. They were huge. They were big. And they, you could tell that they had worked on them. And there was that place where Jesus prayed. And those olive trees. The olive was crushed so that you could extract the oil. That's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many times when God is preparing you to walk in a, to take up a mantle and to walk into an anointing, you will walk through periods where you're crushed. You'll walk through periods where you're stretched. You'll walk through periods where you're tested. You'll walk through periods where you come under attack. And what God is doing is, is he's preparing you to carry his presence, to carry an anointing. Somebody said, I really wish I had the anointing that that brother has. Yeah, but you don't want to go through the things that brother went through. You see, these, we are broken vessels that the anointing flows out of. So it had to be crushed. There was a crushing that took place. Prophet Isaiah says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He experienced the crushing weight of our sins there in that garden of Gethsemane. That's where the olives were brought to be crushed for the production of oil. The olive oil was measured to be a hen, which is equivalent to about four quarts. The reason for this was when they anointed someone, the entire horn of oil was poured upon the head. That's how God desires to anoint his people today. He wants to pour out the whole horn of oil upon those who are hungry for him. Anybody hungry for him tonight? I'm not hungry for just church. I'm not hungry for other new seminars and trainings. Those are all necessary and I believe in them. I help teach them, but I'm hungry tonight for his presence. My favorite verse in the Old Testament is Psalm 16, 11. You've heard me quote it many times. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore, but in his presence, there's fullness of joy. I'll tell you, there's nothing like the presence of the Lord. There's nothing that compares 
to his presence. In Acts chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, Peter quotes the Old Testament prophet Joel. He said, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days. You believe we're in the last days? Well, here's our scripture. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. We're living in those days. Those days are our days that Peter spoke about in the very first sermon that was preached in the New Testament church. I want to be a part of that. How many of you want to be a part of that? So what is the anointing? We've defined it. Well, why do we need the anointing? Why do I need an anointing from God? We need the anointing because the anointing flows out of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 16 through 18, Jesus says, I will pray the Father. He will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. This tells me that it's possible for you and I to have a relationship with the third person of the Trinity. This promise was fulfilled in John chapter 20 verse 22 when Jesus breathed on them Listen to what it said. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. How many of you have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life with the evidence of speaking in other tongues? That's the initial or the first evidence. But we need more than just a one-time experience. Read the book of Acts. I mean, Peter got filled and refilled several times. Paul and Silas shut up in prison at midnight. The Bible said they started singing praises unto God. I'd have been on the phone trying to call somebody to get me out of that prison. Come on, somebody. I'd have said, where's my phone call? Get my iPhone in here. But they sang praises at midnight. And what happened? The Spirit of God came in and shook that prison. Brought a Holy Ghost earthquake. I don't believe the earthquake touched the town. I believe the earthquake touched the prison. It was a Holy Ghost-inspired earthquake that touched it. Their, their stocks and bonds were removed. What happened? They had revival right in the jailhouse. Now listen, if they can have revival in the jailhouse, we can have revival in the church house. You remember they were beaten, told, don't you preach in that name, release. They went right back, reported everything that, that was done and prayed. And the Spirit of God came and refilled them again. We need a refilling of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we need on Sunday mornings when the altar call is given. We need to flood this altar. We need to pray until the wind of Pentecost blows in this place. And let he breathe new life into us. He breathes, he breathes new power into us. He breathes a new anointing in us tonight. What we need tonight is a fresh new touch from heaven that will change us and make us into his image and into his likeness and bring us into line with his word. Come on somebody and say amen. Breathe on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. Verse 18 says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The New King James Version says, I'll not leave you as orphans. He comes to us when we experience his presence. We know that he's near when we experience his anointing. His anointing is the warm presence of God that warms our hearts and lifts our spirits. As believers, we need a fresh anointing tonight. Fresh anointing. Why do we need a new anointing? Because after we've been in church for a time, we can grow stiff and starchy. And we can become legalistic. We can take the move of God's spirit for granted. And we can allow the pursuit of other things to keep us from growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we need an oil change. My car is telling me that mine 
It's got a little thing that comes up and says it's, it's past due. So I got to get it in and get the oil changed. You get the old oil out. You take the filter out and you put new oil in so it lubricates those parts. And that motor lasts longer and it's supposed to run smoother. We need a fresh oil from heaven tonight. Just as oil can dry up and evaporate so the anointing can wane and diminish if it's not properly supplied. Fresh fellowship with the Holy Spirit will produce fresh oil. In Psalms 92.10, David made this declaration of praise. He said, my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. David was one of the most anointed people mentioned in the scriptures. Times he was a prophet, he was a king, and he was a psalmist. Second Samuel chapter 2 verse 1 says Daniel was the was the man raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. In Psalms 92, 10 through 15, David listed seven things the anointing will do for us. Let me give them to you and then we'll be finished. In Psalms 92, 10 through 15, David lists seven things the anointing will do. Verse 11, mine eye shall see. Mine eye shall see. The anointing will give us new vision. Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision, the people perish. Many are perishing and giving up because they have never discovered God's dream for their life. God will reveal his will to you if you'll press in and wait upon him. Number two, verse 11 says, mine ears shall hear. The anointing will open your ears so you can hear God's voice. We must be led by the Spirit. To be led by the Spirit means to hear God's personal, intimate voice. The anointing will give you spiritual ears so you can hear the voice of God. God's still small voice will offer solutions to problems and recognizable answers to hidden or unconfessed sin. When we decide to obey God's voice, he will faithfully lead us. Now, God chooses the ways that he speaks to us. But when I spend time in prayer, I always listen. I take time to listen. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? He can come through impressions on the inside. You can hear that still small voice of God. He speaks through his word. Sometimes he speaks through dreams. I had a dream this afternoon. I went home, just missed lunch and went home and laid down for a little while and went to sleep. And I had this long dream. And uh, one thing I remember, I was in Greensboro, North Carolina. I don't know why, but in the dream, I was in Greensboro, North Carolina. But I'm going to go home and break that thing down and say, Holy Spirit, what was you saying to me in that dream? He can speak to you in dreams. He can speak through other people at times. We need to be careful to hear his voice. Number three, verse 12 says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. A palm tree has deep roots that search out the water in desert places. The anointing will aid you in finding watering places in deserts and during dry seasons. If you walk this journey long enough, you're going to walk through some dry seasons. You're going to walk through some desert experiences. And you need the anointing of God. To enable you to grow your roots deep. One of the things I loved about Israel was the date palms. The, the city of Jericho was known as the city of palms. Some believe it's the oldest city in the world. It's a very oppressed place. But when we went there, we saw it all in that city around it are these beautiful large palms and they have the dates. But he said, you'll flourish like a palm tree. Number four, verse 12 said, he shall grow up like a cedar in Lebanon. Cedars have a long life. The anointing will bring longevity. And number five, verse 13, those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our God. Pastor, why do I need church? You need to be planted in the house of God so you can flourish 
God can only use those who are planted in the house of the Lord. We're to bring forth fruit, and that fruit is to remain. The anointing will enable us to bring forth lasting fruit. And number six, and I don't instead of seven, I just have six. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. You remember what the psalmist wrote in Psalms 1? He said we'd be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Our leaf wouldn't wither, but we would bear fruit. Jesus talks about bearing fruit in John 15. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The branches cannot abide without the vine. But when we abide in the vine, we bring forth fruit. And here's the thing. The Lord comes along as a husbandman, as a gardener, and he prunes the tree. Now, pruning is painful. That's the way the Lord does with us sometimes. He has to come and prune our, our tree, prune us. Pruning is painful, difficult, because he's cutting away something that we're used to. But he's doing it so we can bear more fruit. See, if those trees that bear fruit aren't pruned just right, they won't yield the crop that they're supposed to yield. There's seasons in your life where you'll bear fruit. You'll have a harvest. Matter of fact, it'll come sometime so that you have to run to keep up with it. But God will then pull things back a little bit, and he'll prune, and he'll cut things away. We'll pass through a winter season where things have to die because he's preparing us for the season to come where we will yield forth fruit in a greater dimension. That's what the anointing of God is for, to help us to produce fruit for the kingdom, for the kingdom. The anointing is not to make me look good. The anointing is not for me to say I'm more spiritual than you are. No, the anointing is to touch people's lives that are in trouble and that are in difficulty. That's what he's called us to accomplish.